We are Living by the Word Ministries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to one cause. That cause is the truth given in the Holy Bible, which we believe is the inerrant and infallible Word of God, conferred to man to live by. We let the Word of God be the final authority as to what is or is not true. We strongly feel that if we do not expose false doctrine, we only encourage it. This ministry is designed to challenge you from an apologetic point of view. 1 Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. This is Michael Tinsley. Please stay tuned while we arm you, the believer, to keep living by the word. It's the noble thing to do. Yes, 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 indeed. It is a noble thing to do to keep living by the word. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Living by the Word Ministries presentation of the Bible Information Brokers. And my, my name is Daryl Easy D. Fulton, and my Bible Information Brokers team will be introduced my teammates momentarily. But before I do that, let me give you an opportunity to call in, to email us, and communicate with us your question. This is a question and answer period, the open forum, as we call it, where you can call in with your open, honest questions. And we desire to give you a biblical response, whether it's about the Bible, theology, uh, various theologies of the world, the um, things that happen in life. We believe that the Bible will have many, many answers, not answers for every single thing in life, not the color of your house and things like that. But the Bible will have many very important things to deal with truth, deal with life, deal with issues of life. So give us a call. The number is one triple eight la talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Call us right now with your open, honest questions. One triple eight la talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Don't wait till the show gets in the middle of it or wait till the end to get locked out. Just go ahead and give us a call right now at one triple eight la talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Be one of the first to call in if you called in before and said, hey, you know the line is always busy. Well, they're not busy right now, so go ahead and call us right now. Be one of the first. You also can give us an email question. You can send us an email questions by going on your in your address box. Write the word questions. Spell it out. Questions at bibleinfobrokers.com. Questions at bibleinfobrokers.com. And uh, without further ado, I want to introduce the team because we want to get right into the phone calls and get into the questions that you may have. Of course, I mean, Brian and I have a thousand questions. Professor, we want to wear him out today. We're going to get him to answer a thousand million questions. So as you call in, we will answer those questions. So give us a call, one triple eight la talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. I am just hyped today. Just a lot of exciting things are happening. Email us, questions at bibleinfobrokers.com. Brian Allen. My good buddy, one of the Bible Information Brokers teams. How you doing, sir? Doing well. How are you? You're looking good, B. You're looking good. Craig, you ought to see him. He has his slacks on. He has his shirt and tie on. Craig? Craig. Who's Craig? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to introduce him, too. Yeah. PCH. Since he already mentioned your name and broken, uh, broken the rhythm of there, PCH Professor Craig Hawkins, our other teammate. How you doing, sir? Doing well. You're all dressed up. What's well, uh, the, the wife had a birthday, and you know, wanted to do the right thing there and okay. um, put on a tie. That's all. He's, <laughs> he's not wearing his clown suit today. He's, Which one is that? He's got Which his. Uh, I have so many of them. He's got his uh, shirt. Well, he's a little, little, little dapper today. Anyway. Ladies Maybe that's why he's all pumped up and excited. No, that's always, you know, that's always the case. Ladies and gentlemen, you can join Brian, Craig, and myself, uh, the Bible Information Brokers, by giving us a call right now. Our dear screener and Angie, Angie uh, Andy is doing the screening for us, double duty well, in engineering. We just thank her so very much. She's so special. Look at her. So one triple eight LA talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Go ahead, and give us a call right now. Send us an email question in your address box. Questions at 
BibleInfoBrokers.com. Questions at BibleInfoBrokers.com. Brian, PCH, I want to start us off, if you don't mind. I have a, a, a sort of a question, and it's going to tie into a, a maybe a, a little teaching on logic. Uh, PCH, I, I kind of warned you about this. You didn't know where it's going to be coming from, but uh, it's going to come out of, I'm taking the, the verse, or uh, the verse is, uh, 2 Chronicles 28. 2 Chronicles 28, uh, verses 22 through, no, that's correct. Let me make sure I'm reading that properly. Yes, 22 through 23. And it reads, in the time of trouble, King Ahaz became even more unfaithful to the Lord. He offered sacrifices to the G, I say G's, but God's, a little G, of Damascus, who had defeated him. For he thought, since the gods of the kings of Aram have helped them, I will sacrifice to them so they will help me. But they but they were his downfall and the downfall of all Israel. Craig and Brian, this is a, a question that just made my mind race to logic. This guy seemed like he took what's a logical uh, thought, but it seemed like it wasn't combined with the, the truth about his logical thought, and he made a decision in life, and it cost him. Craig, am I incorrect that the man's thought was at least logical? Well, uh, only in a sense. So I'm going to say a couple things. And yeah, this is, Daryl said he had a question about logic, but he didn't uh, give it to me earlier, so this is the first I've heard of it. But it's a very good question. Uh, and, and there's a number of caveats and, and facets, I should say, of this question. So let me attempt to address them. And I, I hate saying anything disparagingly of logic since I've taught it for 30 years. <laughs> and it's my part of my formal education and, again, part of what I've taught at graduate school for uh, almost three decades. Um, in one sense, it's logical. Something can be logical, can be consistent. Logic deals with what's called entailment, uh, inferences, that if A equals B, for example, and B equals C, everybody knows A equals C. Mm-hmm. Now, something can be logical and still be wrong. In deductive reasoning, there are what are called valid arguments. Something can be valid but still not have a true premise, and therefore it's not sound. That's a technical, logical lesson. Folks can look that up and see if what, I, if what I'm saying is true. It doesn't mean logic's not important, but you can be consistent. I could give you a consistent story that I'm Napoleon Bonaparte. I can give you all types of details about his life and inside information that would appear I really am him. One minor problem. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> Napoleon Bonaparte, thankfully. Um, at any rate, so, yeah, some things are, uh, and so there are some things the Bible talks about worldly wisdom. Some things are, are whether they're logical or not, they're, they're, they're according to principles or ideas or axioms of, of the world, of, of a uh, cosmicos, the Greek word, of a system of thought that is actually antithetical to truth, ironically, and to God. So there's at least what we call worldly wisdom, and people often will say something like, that doesn't make sense to me. That doesn't mean it's in fact illogical, it just means they don't understand it, but again, they're not the fount, they're not the source and the standard of what logic or reasonable is. Most people who say things to me like, that's not logical, haven't a clue what's called a cogent inductive argument or a a valid and sound deductive argument. They don't even understand the basic principles. What they're really saying is, it doesn't make sense to me. So the mindset of that time was this, that there are these local deities, 
and you have to appease them, and so there's the gods of the mountains or the plains or of this people, and the idea would be, and you see this over and over in the New, uh, Old Testament, is, hey, you know, your God can't help us. He's not the God of this region. You know, he's not the gods of the Assyrians, right, or of, of, of the Syrians or of the Phoenicians or of, um, for example, uh, the Egyptians, what have you, so he can't help you. And God, there's various passages in Jeremiah and elsewhere where God says, I'm the God of every place. I'm not just in the mountain or in the plain or in Israel or in Jerusalem. And so, yeah, he followed the logic or I should say the reasoning of the worldly principles of the day, and it cost him dearly because he forsaked the one true and living God. And I, I want to say this as well, Daryl, in light of all that I said. I can just well imagine somebody listening right now. Yes. I'm sure there's many, and they're going, yeah, this stuff's irrelevant to me. I mean, mm. that's, thanks, Hawkins. That's a nice history lesson, and maybe I appreciate a little bit of what you said about logic. But other than that, this has no relevance to me. Really. Of course, Paul tells us in Corinthians and elsewhere that the things that were written were written, written for our instruction, that we would profit from them. In other words, we all make mistakes, and others make mistakes. What matters is that you learn from them. And so I would argue this passage, even though written so long ago, is totally relevant today. Example, a few cases in point. So we're going for a job or a job interview or we want to get a contract or so, you know, whatever it is in life, and we think we have to do certain things. Well, I have to smooth up to this person. I have to give them gifts. In other words, we really believe I can't trust in God. God won't take care of me. I'm always amazed, even people who are strong Calvinists, how often they live like, like they're not Calvinists. Like, God really isn't sovereign. If I don't grease the skids, mm. if I don't grease the wheels, if I don't do my thing, God can't work. So I've got to prime the pump, if you will. By the way, I've got to twist God's arm through prayer. I've got to try to manipulate him. And even then, I've got to do my part. And if I don't, God's not going to come through. So if I don't bribe the official, if I don't make sweeten the pie to get the contract, it's not going to happen because, you know, God could take care of my eternal soul, but he can't take care of my, mm. my sustenance, my daily provisions, and what I need at work or what have you. So we do what everybody else does, all the worldly philosophies and isms and be happy attitudes and thoughts and seven principles of successful people or whatever, the latest self-help gurus, smorgasbord of pottage that's out there on the table that I need to do these things to be successful, and we rarely trust God. So I think this passage is totally relevant, this last point again. And yeah, he was, be he was using the logic, or at least I should say the reasoning of the day, which is, I've got to appease, I've got to assuage these gods, their gods, because they obviously help them to help me and the, and the irony of ironies is it cost him his yes. soul, and he, he, lost, he loses in battle. The very thing he's after, by grasping at straws, he gets the exact opposite of what he thought he was going to get. And worse yet, now he's on the outs with God because of his idolatry and wickedness. You know, Craig, one, one of the things I do want to bring up, though, is... Um, and. And it's because I don't want the listening audience to be confused. Uh, and, and I'm going to use the example of going for a job interview. You know, I think of the passage, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you talk about the word dianoia, mind, your cognitive capacity. You know, God wants us to use our brain. And so I do want to say this, just to have a little balance so no one misconstrues what you said, is that say you are going for an interview. Well, 
the Lord is telling you to be smart about it, use your mind. And so it doesn't hurt to prepare yourself for that interview to uh, make sure you go in there, dress properly, do research on the company, uh, things like that. And is, that's different from the things you were saying. But I, I don't want I don't want, you know, the audience to just think that, OK, well, there's, you know, th- th- you don't have to have any preparation. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. Okay, but right, but, but, but sure. And I'm not dissing logic because if you look at Matthew 12 and, uh, and the Jesus casting a demon out of an individual, he uses the basic laws of logic of identity, excluded middle, law of logical rational inference. He uses the reductio ad absurdum principle, which is a reasoning methodology. Exactly. You find all that. So we're not dissing logic, but we're dissing worldly wisdom. And so, yeah, I, I'm not saying so you're going on a job interview or you have a company and you're, about, you're working for a contract that would be very lucrative in the best sense possible for you. I'm not saying don't brush your teeth or wear deodorant. Right. I know, you, I know you're not saying that, but, Craig. I just but, don't, but, want, I don't but, want the but, audience yeah. to, to get But an you. example would be in much of the world, right, Brian, but an example would be in much of the world, bribery is how things work. Yes. You have to bribe officials. You bribe people. You, you grease the skids by giving a gift, in quotes, weak, weak, nod, nod, which is a bribe. And, and, and many Christians fall into the same thing, and they think this is just how it's done, and if I don't give a bribe like everybody else does, I won't get this. Uh, and so that would be an example. They're doing something unethical, and that's more to the point of Ahaz. He does something unethical, ungodly, wicked, and it cost him his soul, and he doesn't even get what he wanted. He wanted protection. And he doesn't even get that because he forsakes the God who promises to protect us and watch over us. And he panders to uh, the little pagan deities, which he thinks are going to protect him, and indeed don't, and he ends up in trouble with the big guy. And, and that's indeed the reason why I brought it up, because uh, we talked about this before weeks ago, maybe even a couple of months ago, about the zygote, just the spirit of this age and how we're thinking. We talked about the, the idea of the tolerance uh, situation and how tolerance seemed to have just uh, flipped on us. You know, if you the very people that's crying for tolerance, not giving tolerance in various areas, you want freedom of speech. And the various things that happen, we just do, we, we just kind of flip-flop on a lot of things that are basic meaning and understanding. So... In, in, in that situation, I just want people to understand when they call in at one triple eight la talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. We see your phone calls coming in. We appreciate that. You got to call, folks, because when you call, this show will go. But Craig and Brian, with with this with this question about the uh, the idea of logic and how it goes and what we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish, not only on this broadcast but in in our everyday life, Craig and Brian, our everyday when we read the Bible and how we perceive things. This person was perceiving, like you said, Craig, the the the, the times that it was the, the common thought. Then, hey, if if a, if a god, uh, you know, it must have helped you uh, win because you defeated us before. So let me let me uh, worship you. Let me uh, do the very things I'm supposed to be doing. It's almost like uh, you you want to be on both sides of the fence. So whatever side wins, win. I mean, you win, which is uh, sort of kind of ignorant because yes. <laughs> you're losing. <laughs> It's double-minded, and Jesus exactly. warns us about that. Let that person not think they'll receive anything from God. So it's kind of like, and we, it's kind of like I'll cover all my bases. We see yes. this a lot in uh, countries that are dominated by Hinduism and Buddhism and whatnot. Many people come to Christ, real or imagined, and what they think is, you know, I'm going to add Jesus to my shelf of gods, if you will, almost literally, my statues. 
because, hey, it can't hurt to have one more. They're, they generally, uh, we call the syncretism. They don't want to give up their previous ones because they don't want to offend them. I just want to add Jesus to my pantheon of deities that I worship. And, and God says, no, this is not how this works. True belief in Christ is exclusive belief in Christ, and that he alone is uh, the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 8, 4, you know, that there are people, the Lord's many, God's many people believe in, but there is not just for us, but there is only one. And that's why if you're not sure, if you just happen by chance and quotes to turn into this broadcast, there's a book in the Old Testament called Isaiah, by the prophet Isaiah, considered what are called one of the major prophets, and in particular about chapter 42. If you have a Bible, you get one. Look at Isaiah, and they're not that big. Read chapter 42 through 48. And over a dozen times, if not way more than that, God makes it clear there is only one God, one true God. Oh, there's many gods that people worship. There's many gods that people imagine. You can make a god of your career, of money, of fame, fortune. Uh, but there's only one true God by nature, one God who is indeed God. That's his very nature. We're told the same thing in Jeremiah 10, 10 and 11. Jeremiah 10, 10 and 11. But if you read Isaiah, and you're a Christian as well, 42 through 48, you will find dozens of passages where God says, I alone am God. There is none beside me. Galatians 4, 8. However, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by nature are no gods. And today there's these views of what's called social constructivism, or perspectivalism, for example, and says, well, reality is only as you perceive it or conceive it. So Mm -hmm. they say, well, yeah, Hawkins, for you there's only one God, and for some there's no God. Many are not sure, but for many uh, Hindus, and uh, there are millions of gods. Uh, and the biblical view is, no, 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 we didn't say just for us. Uh, sure, we're the ones that accept it, but in reality, the truth is, and that is, let me say it this way, independently of whether you believe it or not. That's like someone saying, I don't believe in the moon, and the, and the, and uh, astronomer would say, well, you th- whether you believe in the moon is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. It does exist, and there's objective evidence. The Christian would, would respond with all due respect, whether you believe this or not, it's true, and someday, uh, and, and we pray it doesn't happen this way, when you die, you will find out the reality of the falsehood of your views. There is yeah. a God, and you are accountable to him. And we're going to deal with that, that subject matter a little bit later on, but Craig, just to extend the thought, Brian, just before you make your comment, to extend this thought real quickly, Craig, upon when you mentioned the Hindus well, two or three times, you do a, little, you do a lot of work in India uh, in teaching um, uh, preachers out there to uh, preach the word of God, to teach the word of God in its proper context. And when you think, I mean, just think about it from the perspective of the, the basic Hindu person growing up in India. There's going to be a tremendous amount of persecution that's going to come that person's way because they're going against a nation. In our nation, we have this freedom. So everybody is living in various nations that are basically um, stymied from uh, believing, not, you know, not from believing between your ears or in your, in your heart, but be able to uh, practice your belief, Craig. These guys are under tremendous pressure, not only with their families, just like the Muslims and everybody would think about Christianity and convert. Just the, the, the amount of pressure it must be upon these people that would have to dare go against thousands of years of this particular teaching in the, in the nations well, believing a certain sure. way. Sure. Let me just say this. As we're kind of switching gears, but I'm so glad you mentioned this, Daryl, because hopefully in October I'm going back and oh, train leaders again in India, but also into Myanmar, old Burma. What a, mm. uh, this is like mm. these are some of the greatest privileges I feel of my life is, 
now to go into Myanmar. I've already been in there, and I've already met pastors in when last time I was in India, one of the border states, and I've already been into Myanmar. But I'm having the chance, it looks like in October, to go back again and train pastors. And this is an incredible opportunity because for years it's been under a junta, under military rule. It's still kind of messed up, and, the, you know, Buddhism is the official religion, and, and others are persecuted. But let me just say this. People have this idea that maybe the only one who's really killing people out there are Muslims. Mm-hmm. But in India, uh, there are whole communities where Buddhists kill Muslims, Muslims kill Buddhists, Hindus, vice versa. One of the pastors we work with, and I'm not going to give his name, although it's on the tip of my tongue, um, because actually, let me just say this, one of the guys I work with had in- innocuously posted some stuff on Facebook, and some H- Hindus saw this and ca- called the authorities and wanted them to investigate him and keep him out of the country. So I have to be careful yes. because people's lives are on the line. I'd like to say I'm exaggerating. People's lives are on the line we work with. One of the pastors we work with, and one of the, I'll just say this, northeastern states, um, his family, their family before them, and so on and so forth are Hindus. Uh, they tried to kill him, the, the community. They tried to bury him alive two or three times. And by the grace of God, he was saved every time out of this. So, you know, I, I would ask Christians right here, when's the last time somebody tried to bury you? Uh, for your faith. And so this is, we're not whistling Dixie. This is not hype. This is not trying to just tell a great tale here. This is stone-cold, sober reality. Uh, Many of these Christians, uh, of our brothers and sisters, are in areas where they suffer incredible persecution. I know a number of uh, leaders and whatever, uh, you know, even by the police. You know, uh, if you don't call the police, sir, you can be beaten. Um, There's all kinds of things uh, I've actually seen firsthand and I know from reliable sources. Um, so, I mean, even Modi, the prime minister of India, he belongs, uh, his party is, is a fundamentalist Hindu party, and they, like some in Nepal, want to see them to return officially to a Hindu relig- uh, nation as the official religion, even though it does dominate still. And, um, and I'm tr- trust me, I've been to places where they followed me around, where I was forbidden to say certain things, where I was told if I did, you know, that was going to be, I was going to be kicked out. I know what I'm talking about here, yes. folks. I've been there, and there were places where Christians are persecuted, and the Aris Party, uh, a subdivision of the party that the Prime Minister belongs to, uh, persecutes Christians. And in the Northeast, you've got to be very careful. I have pastoral friends and others where churches are burnt down and whatnot. Now, you don't hear about this in the West. This goes on all the time. This goes on on a regular basis. And this is just not, quote-unquote, newsworthy to the the goofy news, news services, sorry, I don't have a high view of them, in America overall. And this stuff goes on a regular basis. You don't hear this, but when I'm over there, this stuff's all around you. And, you know, that's why I often bring home papers so I can show people, go, look, I, I'm not just saying this. Here it is. This is in the paper. Here, and multiple papers reporting what happened, where this community rose up and killed this whole community, went after them. Yeah, guns are illegal, so they just hack people to death. They had, machetes are everywhere. Um, you think being killed by a machete is better than a gun? I'm not <laughs> saying either is good, but I just some of this is laughable. People's naivete, and but what's not laughable, and I'm going to end uh, my little diatribe here on this. Um, and thanks for the soapbox, Daryl and Brian. But um, you know, Christians are just naive regarding the persecution that our brothers and sisters uh, that's going on throughout the world in Bhutan, for example, Bangladesh, and in India, in Cambodia, countries that I've you know I go to, I visit. I know what I'm talking about here. I just, I'm, mommy and, that's a, it's not mommy and daddy or something I, 
um, third party telling me, I've been there, done that, seen what goes on and what our brothers and sisters put a, have to go through. And the church in, in America had better wake up um, church, because we're country. not supporting these people. We're not, we're not helping many of them, not near the way we should if we are, if we are at all. And we, you don't think this is going to come to America eventually? My friend, you better wake up and smell the coffee. You know, uh, Professor, we are going to go on. I'll give the number out, and uh, Brian has an email question coming up. But look, man, this is, this is too important because for me, uh, coming out of the airline industry and coming out of the, the, the uh, police uh, agencies many years ago, this is like going through mental, physical, and spiritual TSA when we come to the United States. We go to the TSA, they sanitize everything, take all the things they don't want on the other side, whether the planes are taking off. In America, we start off this country with the idea that we didn't want the, the, the state to take over our, our religious beliefs. And here, look how we're doing now. Now we're doing it in a more subversive way, whereby we're sanitizing ourselves from the truth about what the real world is dealing with. And this is the type of stuff that we're talking about. So, Craig, when you say the Christians better wake up, how can we wake up when the word is not coming back to us that these things no. are going on except for very small organizations? Well, yeah. Or even large organizations, but not large enough to let a country know, to let your neighbor know. So when, when you go out in places like this, Brian, myself, anybody knows about things like this, we have to shout it from the rooftops, man. Well, it, that's what I was saying last week. Remember, Daryl, you asked about, you know, pet peeves and, pet the, uh, peeves and all that. You know, if, if true Christians would stand up. Man, you got to. I mean, if true Christians would stand up against all of this garbage that's going on just in our country, <laughs> then we wouldn't be dealing with a lot of this stuff that, that's being passed uh, by law and things of that nature. And it's kind of sad. And, and I think, you know, what, what Craig was saying about uh, the persecution of Christians, it's amazing. You look at these different world religions, and if you don't believe what they believe, right. they're going to kill you. They're, 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 you know, how, I mean, really, how strong is their religion if you have to force someone to believe it? And if you don't, if they don't believe it, you're going to kill them. Yeah. And you look on the other end with Christianity. You know, if I talk to someone who's uh, who's a part of another um, non-Christian religion and they don't believe what I believe, what I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna worry about it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna kill them. I'm not gonna threaten their lives. And so when when I think about it, when you have again non-Christian religions that uh, are gonna kill you if you don't believe what they believe, you know, really, what type of God is that that they worship? Well, right, and and actually, I lied. I want to say one more thing. You know, in the, day of, in the days of Rome, the civil religion worked like this. As long as you were into, at the time of Christ and later, the emperor worship, as long as you were willing to pledge obeisance to the Roman Empire yes. and worship, uh, emperor worship, mm -hmm. uh, altar incense, and Believe all that what you stuff, want. You can, then you can do what you want. Yeah, as long as you're not, you know, yeah. uh, causing discord in, in their, their, their kingdom. Otherwise, it's Pax Romana, which means at the end of a sword for you, or spear, <laughs> or crucifixion. Uh, but at any rate... So, and that's how it is in America today. Oh, you Christians, you can believe what you want, but keep it to yourself. But look, as long as you acknowledge that all paths lead to God, all religions are equally mm. valid, uh, there's no right or wrong, same-sex marriage, everything's fine, you're bigoted, obscurantist, intolerant, blah, 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 if you don't believe this. And so, look, we're not saying, uh, I'm not saying people don't have a right to believe and practice what they want, but that I, that I have to say their view is just as valid as mine, that their view is just as true, um, you know, that's where we are today, and we're seeing laws enacted in Canada and in America. The, the zeitgeist, the spirit of the time, is becoming increasingly more hostile. 
where you know we're supposed to say all paths lead to God, all religions are equally valid. If you think you're you know a, a tea leaf, then that that's your view, and I can I cannot gainsay that. I think we should be civil and respectful. I think we should love people, but I believe we should speak the truth in love, and that means sometimes telling people with all due respect you're wrong. If you do this, just like financial advice or medical advice or tax advice or legal advice. You know, there's just some things, you know, if you have a certain terminal illness, there are just certain ways you're not going to be cured. And we need to expose quackery and, you know, placebos and fake, uh, you know, meds that are not going to help anybody. That's not being unloving. We're to speak the truth in love. We should be civil. We should be respectful. But we're living in a culture just like Rome. The new absolutism, the new civil religion is, look, all paths lead to God. All religions are true. All, all views are true. Just... You know, you can do what you want in private, but don't in public gainsay or disagree with anybody else or tell them they're wrong. You're damaging their psyche. They're going to need counseling. They need safe places, and you can't talk like that. And this is becoming increasingly the reality uh, of America, not just the world, but the rest of the world. You just get persecuted. Uh, but we're seeing that here. And, Craig, you know that video that we that you shared with me and, and, and Pastor Jason, I, I'm going to put that up on our website about the, uh, you know, the gentleman, he says, uh, he was interviewing the people at the uh, right. University of Washington and, you know, saying, uh, am, I, am I a six-foot-two Chinese woman? We said, what if I told you I'm a six-foot-two Chinese woman? And like you said, uh, it's it's people are being taught that you know people could have their their opinion is just as correct as um, you know as for for what they say and they can say anything they want to say, and it's funny because I I think about that if we carry that over to just as something as basic as uh, building a foundation, and the guy says, well, it's like twelve feet, and someone else says, well, no, I believe it's ten feet. And someone else says, no, I believe it's 30 feet. Well, you know what? Why do, if I took out a measuring ruler, if I took out a, um, um, a measuring stick to measure that, now that measuring stick, I can define it as I want it, like 10 feet on a, me- on a, uh, on a measuring stick. Uh, I could say, well, that's 10 feet is to you, not to, not to me. And, and, that, and that's the sad part. But I'm going to put that video up because it's so... People it just so it. tells the story of what's going on in yeah, the world. Yeah, could you imagine, you know, Brian, telling the IRS agent, you know, who says, you, you haven't paid your taxes, Hawkins, for the last 10 years. And I, I say, well, that's, what, that's, that's how you see it, but I believe I have. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll be singing that song from the jail. Sing, sing. Um, <laughs> and after they, you know, repo my house and, and confiscate everything. You know, imagine, Brian, let me just be really practical here. Again, example. Could you, no, I'm not, but let's say I, I'm, say I'm, I'm going for a college scholarship, and if you don't know what it's worth, I'm a Caucasian male. Uh, don't hold that against me. I know I'm the worst of the worst. Yeah, but, yeah, you got to be careful with that kind um, of stuff, Greg. But, uh, but at any rate, so imagine if I go and apply for a scholarship, and the scholarship is only for Asian females. Let's say, in fact, I have to be from, from Vietnam. This is only for Vietnamese women under the age of 25. Well, if you don't know, I'm over 25. If you're not sure, I'm not female. Uh, I'm not Vietnamese, with all due respect. Uh, nothing wrong, of course, if you are, obviously, it's great. But the point is, could you imagine me saying, oh, well, I am. I believe I am. I think I am. And it's, it's prejudicial. How, how discriminatory, how narrow-minded, how obscurantist, how intolerant of you not to, to, to not believe me when I tell you I am. I feel I've chosen to be an, a, a, 
a Vietnamese woman under 25, and I'm none of the above. And therefore, I'm going to take you to court and sue you because you're discriminated against me, and by all the other criteria for this scholarship, I, I should get it. I mean, all the other criteria, but you're disagreeing with me that I'm a woman, indeed that I'm not a Vietnamese woman under 25, and I believe I am. Well, I'll tell you what, Craig, um, I know you're not to be, but, um, man, in a society, you could be anything you want. And it doesn't mean that by, by progressing and have the freedom of, you know, self-expression and stuff like that, that is the epitome of it, it going the wrong direction. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian was talking about foundations, and we have a foundation on this broadcast with the Bible Information Brokers when we deal with the open forum like we have today. And that foundation is predicated upon guys like Steve, who is going to take his call next, and people that send email questions. If you don't call in, trust me, that one question I just are brought up, we can go. And we have a lot of things to say about a lot of different things, but we're interested in what you are interested in. So give us a call at one la talks one 528 We have open lines for you to call right now. So if you have a question that you never had a chance to ask before, if you have a question that you've asked before, but you have a little bit uh, uh, different uh, spin on it, you have some more questions about those things, give us a call, one la talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. You haven't figured out by now. This is a live presentation. Email us questions at bibleinfobrokers.com. The question for the word questions at bibleinfobrokers.com. Questions at bibleinfobrokers.com. Or call us right now at one triple eight LA Talks. One triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Brian, I need you to do me a favor though. Before you read the email question, and Steve, we're going to get to you in a moment. I need you to let the people know that it's very important that we do hear from them financially because even though we're like you know came out of a rough a rough time maybe a couple of months ago, we don't want to get back in that rough time. So please let the people know as briefly as you can how they can participate in giving, and then we get back to these questions. Real simple, Gerald, then go to our website. Go to BibleInfoBrokers.com, BibleInfoBrokers.com. Click on the link that says Support and Donate Us and give right through the Internet. It comes us right away. It's very simple, very easy. Uh, so you can do that. That's one way. Second way is you can uh, send, us a, um, send us a check, money order, cash a check, however you want to do it. Okay. Mail it to um, uh, uh, LBTW or BIB. And that address is P.O. Box, uh, ooh, Daryl. 9004. Nine, no, 90, I don't have See, it Craig, that's why we get in trouble. <laughs> it is at P.O. Box 90477. We, we just got a new one, yeah, so yeah. it's not ingrained in my head yet. Uh, P.O. Box 90477, <laughs> Los Angeles, California. <laughs> Nine zero 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 nine. Once again, P.O. Box nine zero four seven seven, L.A., California nine thousand nine. So those are the two ways that you can give. Really appreciate that, Brian. I had the address in front of me. I didn't want to step on you. Can I be bad, bad radio? You, you know, Craig, it's funny. Uh, you know what I thought about? I, I, I'm thinking about one of these teachers that, like a professor that teaches all this stuff about intolerance and your mm. own viewpoint. And they're in a restaurant, and he wants a, a cheeseburger. And then, and then you, when, when you serve them, you give them a chicken sandwich. There you go. And he goes, well, I ordered a cheeseburger. And Solid he says, crumb. well, you know what? Uh, my interpretation of that is, is this. And uh, you know what? I wonder what his response would be. Well, interesting, Brian. But our response is going to be to the questions that people may be calling in about at one triple eight la talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Hang in there, folks. We're going to get to those questions uh, momentarily. Brian, you have an email question where they yeah, can send in. Let me get from the email last address real quick again. Let me get that email address real quick again where just like the question Brian's about to read, you can send us email questions by putting in the address box questions at 
BibleInfoBrokers.com. Questions at BibleInfoBrokers.com. Go ahead. Yeah, this is from Cheryl. This is from last week. I, I don't know if we touch on it, but it says, What does the Bible say about marriage? What is the history of marriage? How do I explain to my son and his fiance that living together is against God's word? I, th- I think we dealt with that. I'm not I don't f- remember that we, that we did. I know we deal with this question a lot. Well, but. it's very pervasive. Uh, Craig, you remember that? I mean, because, you know, our, my, my memory can go to the senior side real fast. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to take, hey, look, I'm going to take all my years, man. I'm, I'm loving the senior stuff, too, by the way. <laughs> Ancient, oh, ancient, oh, ancient, ancient of days, man. baby, oh, ancient of days. I was, just, I was just thinking, as this is actually serious, I was, for a number of reasons, reading a bunch of stuff this week about dementia and Alzheimer's right. and, uh, and, the, and the difference between the two and all that. But I was just thinking, Brian, <laughs> and I don't mean dementia in the sense of insanity, but in the sense of memory loss, <laughs> and we're all starting to experience that at least. So, Craig, why would you think of me when you were reading those articles? Because you couldn't remember the whole <laughs> <laughs> It's a logical thing, Brian. It's very logical. Right? Well, it, it, and it's only because we get a lot of these questions repeats of them. But don't yeah, worry. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. Now, dealing with the issue, let's just call it like it is. Let's call it like shacking. That's what we call it in the modern-day vernacular. Shacking. Craig, uh, quick and to the point. Shacking, okay, we know it's not. Um, scriptures, we, I, I remember the scripture where Jesus was talking about the woman that had uh, seven men she did when he said the man, the man that you with right now ain't even your husband. So to me, that's the, that would be the epitome verse for me for shacking. In other words, don't do that. What you doing? Okay, a uh, c- couple things here. I'm going to give you some references. So if you have pen and pencil handy, audience, you want some three really good books. There's more, but I have three books I'd like to recommend. But uh, it, it's a big deal because... It's the idea that it's to be uh, as till death shall you part. And what we live in in society is, well, as long as it's convenient, as long as I'm happy. Um, and so um, th- th- that's not the biblical model. If, you know, if you're not a Christian, well, I get it. You're going to do what's convenient for you and what makes you happy, in quotes. Or what you think, I should say, is going to make you happy. Um, but for if you're a Christian, look, marriage is the order. It's instituted by God. It's, it has an incredibly long history uh, from, from our Jewish friends, to all cultures, actually. Even the Romans and the Greeks, take, think of the most pagan, the most hedonistic societies, they still had the institution of marriage. It's still founded because it's the foundation of societies um, and of stability. You know, marriage is, is not always convenient. There's time you feel, you know, very in love, and there's times you don't, if we're all honest. Marriage is ex- very difficult, but it's incredibly important, and you show your your fidelity and your loyalty to your spouse uh, through the ebb and flow of life, the good times and the bad yes. times and otherwise. And so shacking up, or whatever you want to call it, is not the biblical model. And some people say, well, it's just a piece of paper. No, it's not. That's not true. And by the way, if you live in California, seven years common law, you're as good as married anyway. So um, you can't really get away with it. But even so, why would you? Look, God has ordained it. He, he made a male and female. He, one man, one woman, not multiple men or multiple women, and not serial polygamy either. Uh, uh, you know, so it's the biblical model. You're disobeying God. You're disobeying His Word. Look at passages about marriage, such as in uh, Matthew 19, 1 through 9, uh, and uh, so, so on and so forth. Those passages are very clear about the view of marriage. And also Paul talks about this in addition to Christ himself again in Matthew. 
19, 1 through 9. Uh, you can look at Matthew briefly 5, uh, verses 30 through 32. Also look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and 7 in particular, which talks about marriage. Um, so cohabiting is not the same. I think of the woman um, taking an adultery. Uh, Jesus has been with a woman at the well. Yeah, that's uh, excuse me, uh, not, yeah. not John 8, the woman taking adultery, but the woman at the well. Yeah. Yeah. She says, you know, yeah, you've, uh, <laughs> she says, hey, go get your husband. And she's like, I don't have a husband. He says, you've got that right. You've basically had five, and the guy you're living with now is not your husband. And Jesus, basically, she's rebuked for that. It's like, that's not right. You know, I know what you're doing. I always love it. She goes, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. <laughs> good, good thinking. Hey, um, but real quickly, for those, uh, that we can only cover so much, and I'm not sure all the type of questions they have. I mean, I can guesstimate some of them, but I want to recommend three books really quickly, okay? Uh, first, uh, first one called The Ring That Makes All the Difference. The Ring, R-I-N-G, of course, that makes all the difference. That's by Stanton, S-T-A-N-T-O-N, Glenn Stanton. The Ring That Makes a Difference, very good book on the benefits, it's explicitly the subtitle is dealing with the hidden consequences of cohabitation and the strong benefits of marriage. So this book is directly addressing these questions. That's why I'm recommending this. Now, one book's a little heavy academically, but it's still very important. What is marriage? Man and woman, a defense. Uh, and just, there's three authors, but think of Robbie George. Robert George, what is marriage? If you want a kind of a real hardcore biblical philosophical treatment of marriage, that's the work for you. Uh, for Cheryl, definitely she wants to re get this book, the first one I mentioned. And then one more that's really, really excellent. It's entitled Conjugal Union. Conjugal, by the way, if you don't know how to spell that, C-O-N-J-U-G-A-L. C-O-N-J-U-G-A-L. Conjugal Union, subtitled What Marriage Is and Why It Matters. What Marriage Is and Why It Matters. And again, there's two authors here, but just remember Robert George. Uh, these are three excellent books, and the, the, the first and third definitely are applicable uh, to Cheryl and the situation with her family members. And for, for others, and perhaps Cheryl as well, What is Marriage is a phenomenal book on the whole debate of same-sex marriage today and whatnot and related issues. What is Marriage, Man and Woman, a Defense. Uh, three authors, but uh, just remember Robert George, and that will get you the book. So there you go. PCH, really appreciate it. Brian, thank you for that question. Let's get to the phone calls, guys. Uh, we got um, J.R., uh, Keith, and we're going to do Steve first. Uh, people, if you want to call in, like those gentlemen uh, or ladies, you want to call in, one triple eight la talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. a live presentation for you to call in with your open, honest question for a biblical response. Keith from Los Angeles, your question, please, sir. Uh, good evening, guys. How are you doing, sir? Um, I have a question that's regards to um, uh, Luke chapter 630, where it says, Give to everyone who asks, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. And, and here's my situation. I, you know, I, I enjoy helping people. I care for people like many people throughout the United States. But there's times when, like, someone will, if it's on the street, if it's on whatever, even, and I want to make this clear, even in church, yes. if someone comes to you and says, oh, my goodness, I have this situation, I have this situation, it's like financial, and then back to that A section of Luke 630, where it says, give to everyone who asks. I want to get a solid biblical foundation. What is the meaning of that passage? PCH, why don't you go ahead, and Brian, you talk about it. I want to close with something that um, I've been doing with Living by the Word for some years. Um, 
PCH, Brian? Sure. Uh, we all face this conundrum, this, yes. this difficulty on a regular basis. I mean, uh, I can't uh, even go to a store anymore or get out of the parking lot or the post office or my local Walmart or Target or wherever I shop, and there's someone there. And so I face this dilemma, and certainly, you know, the Bible tells us to have a heart of compassion. Uh, but God also gives us a brain and expects us to use it. And I would argue this passage, my understanding is, uh, by the Latin phrase, a quantibus omnibus, a quantibus omnibus, which means all things equal. There's a context to this. And I believe, you know, if you know someone's just going to put the, the, the money in, in their veins or snort it or whatever, you know, through drugs or alcohol, then do you really want to be giving them money? Uh, I can't tell you the number of stories where someone said, look, I'll give you a job, and the person doesn't want to work. You know, where you say, I'll take you to the Chick-fil-A right here or whatever. And they, no, 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 I just want the money. And that tells me, unless they said, I, want, I need to get a hotel room. Um, so, so that tells me, you know, there's something going on here. If you want food, I'm willing to take you right here. Um, so I try to be generous personally. Uh, I try to have a heart of compassion, and I'd rather err on the side of the angels. This is personally speaking. I'm not saying everybody has to do it the way I do. I'm, I probably have given people money who went and bought, you know, their bottle of whatever, you know, and uh, uh, and or drugs. But I even tell them, uh, I'm going to say this for what it's worth, I always tell them, this is the name of Jesus. I'm doing it on Jesus' behalf. Uh, it's not because I'm a nice guy or I feel sorry for you. I don't say say the latter part. But I tell them, this is because I'm a Christian in the name of Jesus Christ. I want him to get credit. And number two, it says, I, you need to use this money for food, and if you do you for any other purposes than what you told me, may God deal with you. I say that to them. I want them to know. And sometimes I've got to do it quickly. It's the freeway off-ramp or whatever. But that's what I will tell them, because I want God to get the credit. And I want them to know God is watching them. And, and uh, so at any rate, and then I just think, you know, you need to use wisdom. And, and it, so if I'm at church and someone comes with that type of, thing, you know, or, you know, I've run out of gas, and we need just gas money, I'm trying to get to wherever, and I'm out of gas, I say, look, let's go talk to the pastor, let's go talk to an elder, a leader, and, and, and run it by them as well, and say, look, the church can help you, we'll be willing to help you overall, if we discern that you're really in need, and this is really out of your control. Um, some people, this has been, you know, studied, some people do this and make an incredible amount of money because people do feel sorry for them and they don't go get a regular job. And, they, and it's just when they start lying and telling you things that are not true. So I believe you need to be discerning if you, if you, you know, uh, smell alcohol, for example, you've got to be concerned. And I wouldn't say, therefore, I wouldn't give them anything, but I, but I don't want to just aid and abet, you know, their... their um, drug addictions or, 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 you know, drinking. So if, if you think something's funny, it's a fishy story, then, then I don't give them money. I don't give it to everybody. I give it to a lot of people, but I don't give it to some because I think there's something wrong with this story, you know? Right. And, and, and I do feel like... I'm yeah, sorry. go ahead. I'm but sorry. as far as... Um, and I, I, I clearly understand, I appreciate what you're saying, but the part of, to me, I, and I know possibly there's like a false guilt attachment because individuals... Mm -hmm do want to help people, honestly mm -hmm. help people, but then there's that part that's like, I should have helped them, or, you know, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be a light, you know, to the world and this scripture. So that's why, yeah. could, that be, could I be fighting maybe with false guilt? I mean, that's sure, my question. Sure, yeah, because, yeah. yeah, because there's some people you're only, you're only abetting. It'd be like having a child who's a drug addict 
and they just want you to keep giving them money, and they say, but I'm starving, right. but you know, they're, just, they're not going to feed themselves, they're going to go shoot up with heroin or whatever. And there's a right. point where it's tough love, where it's love versus approval. It's got to be, I love you, and I value you as a human being, but I'm not going to support your lifestyle. So there's times where we have to do the tough thing, and that's sometimes saying no to somebody. And, and and it's difficult, and, you know, we don't have all the circumstances, but that's why, now, the old days, I used to have these cards of local shelters, and I would say, here's a dollar. You can call. If you want help, these people will help you. I wish I had those cards again. I don't know if they make them anymore. But, you know, you, but that's why I like to direct them to the church. Here's the church. They'll help. If you want help, they'll help you. But they're able to vet these people more so. You know, often these are quick encounters that I don't have much time, especially with the freeway off-ramp thing. And I've got to make a decision. But anymore, there's certain off-ramps I know almost always there's somebody there, you know. And some people right, I've seen right. over and over again. But So in other words, I'm praying in advance. But, yeah, so I'm trying to get back to your point, though. But don't, but you've got to watch the false guilt because you think, well, I've got to help everybody. Look, if you gave everybody everything, you'd have nothing. Christ is not saying give away everything you have. It, there is discernment. There is wisdom to be used. He's not saying help people who won't help themselves. And I do just need to say that she didn't ask. Of course, not all, but many. some people are gamers. They're just gaming the system, and they know there's people who are soft-hearted, and um, so be it. But there are people, many of them are mentally ill, and I understand that. Many of them really belong in facilities, or at least, I mean, where they're being taken care of and helped. And they can't fend for themselves. They're out in the streets, and I want to have compassion on them. And sometimes it's mixed with drugs and alcohol. So you just you just got to shoot up the prayers. You got to be part of your prayer. It's got to be Lord, give me wisdom when I encounter people today, tomorrow. Give me wisdom. What do you want me to do? And you develop Pardon a strategy, in my opinion, and a referral system and network. But sometimes you're going to have to make those quick decisions, and you can't suffer from false guilt. It, the, yes. the thing I would say is this quickly is this, Keith, is if you're hardening your heart to saying those people, they deserve it, or I'm not going to help them, that clearly would be sin, and you ought to feel guilty about that. But when it, you're struggling with, should I help this person in particular? I have compassion on them, but God, how would you have me help them? Is it praying right. for them? Is it and or giving them money or buying them a sandwich or whatever? That's where you've got to trust God that He's sovereign. You're going to pray. You're look. You're you want to help them. You're not being hard-hearted, uh, but sometimes right. you're going to have to do different measures because this is not where you're in the community where everybody knows what somebody's circumstances are. I grew up in a part of Missouri for part of my life where people lived at, had outhouses literally and people had nothing, but we knew them. We knew who they were. So if they gave you a story, you knew it was true because you knew how they lived. You could see literally where they lived. Now today, it's so difficult. You've got to just trust God yes. and use the brain he gave you. But, yeah, you can't give in to the false guilt. Otherwise, you're going to be giving your money to everybody, and it's just ridiculous. Stephen, before you go, I'll just make this comment because the many things you guys said, I can go on and on and on with this. But let me just say this. The false guilt thing, just think about how false guilt plays out in our society right now. Craig mentioned earlier that he gave away the big secret that he's Caucasian, he's not a Vietnamese or a 60-year-old Chinese lady earlier. And think about how society has now taken that terminology, false guilt, white guilt, and has um, have, have basically sabotaged what we're trying to do as, an, as a nation in regards to dealing with each other and how we can do various things. It's just the ultimate hustle. I mean, I, got, I call that the guys that hustle, whether it's race hustling, whether 
whether it's a false guilt hustling, call it what you want. To me, it's a big hustle. And I, I came from uh, what people say, the streets. It's not from the like I was in the streets. I had a very nice, loving family that we were basically middle class. But the idea right. is I've seen this. I got friends in this. I know the hustle. I'm a retired cop. I've seen these cats in jail. I've seen people around there. I'm not saying that what Craig is doing is wrong because that's his, like he prefaced it. It's his personal way of handling it. I handle it a little bit differently. What I do is I, I ask, because I have a little bit more time now too, uh, being uh, retired and stuff. But I asked the people, even back then when I had my own kids, I'll never forget it. My kids never forget to remind me. They said, Dad, you asked this lady uh, when she was at some Taco Bell or something like that asking for something. And I told her, she was right there saying, well, can I have some money to get something? And, you know, that like I said, you know what? No, I, but I have an apple for you. I have something, some, some fruit. She told me she didn't do apples. And my kids like their dad said, what, what, what am my dad going to do now? So if you don't do apples, you're not going to do Taco Bell. I used to work in Taco Bell. The apple was much better for you, so I know that. And, and, and you know, that was kind of like, I think I told you the story when I was at the Randy's Donuts. And uh, I pulled up a guy, came up to me, says, uh, excuse me, sir, can you I'm really hungry. And I just said, well, just stay there. I'll get you a couple milks and some mm -hmm. donuts. Mm -hmm. He goes, no, 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 I want a cheeseburger from next door. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. You know, I worked in a homeless ministry before in the street, out in the street in St. Louis City. Right. I grew up in St. Louis County. So, right. But a guy told me one night on a cold night, he said, I said, guys, we have anything you can get, you know, as far as assist you, blankets, whatever. And I, he says, what kind of soup do you have? I said, I think it's beef stew. Mm. He says, I only do lobster bits. Let me, let me tell you, so. Steve, let me tell you, man. <laughs> See, now, now, yeah. we, it's kind of like, it's actually kind of funny the different games they have, but these guys, I'm, I'm not trying to say these guys, everybody's there. What Craig said is true. We only have about two minutes left, but let me say this. Yeah. When I came into Christianity some 30-something years ago, I saw this hustle within the church on a more sophisticated level, so I established something in Living by the Word Ministries that's called Family Serving Families, and it's basically me and my wife putting together funds whereby I take the time that somebody has a need I think the church needs to be a whole lot more diligent a lot of churches are they have help groups within the churches be a little bit more diligent so they can do some checks and balances on what's happening right. Craig mentioned that a little bit earlier and you worked in the home you know the homeless and you worked in ministry in this area also so you know please do not have that false guilt man it is definitely a false guilt but at the same time consider what Craig said as far as praying and not only pray before but I would say pray after you give somebody something and say Lord was that a good deal and I don't never yeah, people you want to help that. so many people, you know? Yes, you want to help do. so many people. Compassion, so, but it's like, I, I appreciate your guys showing here. Hey, look, we really appreciate your call, Steve. We got to go to the top of the hour break, and we're going to be begging for, well, not begging, requesting some cash a little bit on the other side to keep this ministry going. So I said it a tongue-in-cheek, but we're going to get into uh, the top of the hour break. And, Steve, excellent question, man. And, look, please don't have that guilt, and then prayerfully consider it all. And let the Lord lead you, man. And, you, you know, use, use the brain you. that God gave you, and it's going to be all right. God Appreciate you, man. God bless you. Uh, Brian, Steve, uh, Steve's question is excellent. Man, Craig, it's, it's excellent thoughts you give him because we have to deal with this issue because it's right in our face every day. Craig, literally today, had to deal with that issue. Just today. And almost every time you go out, you deal with it. So, music into my head right now, Brian. That means that we're going to take a break. So, I'm going to give the people an opportunity just like Keith, Dan, and JR. Steve already called. We have emails, questions as well. But call us at one triple eight LA Talks, one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Your internet savvy, write in your address box questions at Bibleinfobrokers.com. Bibleinfobrokers.com. We'll be back after these messages.